In popular media today, vampires are seen in movies to be charming, even intriguing. However, the public tends to forget that they consume their own, humans. In real life, it isn't at all charming, it's murder. These five cases show the evil actions of cannibals, and here are their stories. Morova Family Clara and Katerina Morova and other family members belong to a weird and bizarre cult called Grail Movement. In this movement, the two boys Clara birthed, Andre and Jacob, were born to become slaves to the cult, and apparently their wills had to be broken. In the span of eight months, the kids were tortured, cigarettes were stubbed out on the boys' flesh, belts were used as whips, frequent attempts of drowning, continuously abused, kept handcuffed to cages, forced to sit in their own urine for days, forced to cut themselves, and all this by their relatives. The worst torture, though, was done to Andre. He was locked up in a small cellar for six months and was skinned alive by the sisters. The raw flesh was then consumed by the family members. The Morova sisters, in order to keep an eye on the boys, kept a wireless video monitor in the kitchen. Then one day, sometime around May of 2007, a neighbor bought a brand new wireless video monitor that just happened to be the same brand. Suddenly, the moment he turned the monitor on, it connected to the camera that showed the two prisoner boys being tortured. The owner immediately called the police, and on May 10, 2007, the authorities found the boys. Clara was sentenced to 9 years, Katerina was sentenced to 10 years, and other members of the cult received five years. Tamara Samsonova Tamara is also known as Granny Ripper for good reason. For two decades, she committed unspeakable acts on at least 11 people and grossly enough, she was incredibly proud of it. She kept a diary of her horrific achievements even citing rapist and murderer Andre Chikatilo as her hero. The diary had detailed accounts of drugging, dismembering, and eating various people including her husband, her lodgers, and her friends. Her routine was first to poison and drug the victims. After being comatose, the evil granny immediately chopped them into pieces. In fact, the entire process was kept so subtle that neighbors never heard screams or anything unusual from her home. After dismembering, Tamara removed the internal organs and ate the victims. After decades of this, she finally got caught. Her last victim was 79-year-old Valentina Ulanova, and Tamara was her caregiver for a while. But in July 2015, Valentina decided that she no longer needed Tamara. The Granny Ripper refused and put 50 pills of phenazapamum into Valentina's salad and chopped her up immediately after she passed out. Valentina was quite large and heavy, therefore Tamara decided to put the victim's head in a saucepan and dump the pieces of body parts in various places. On the 26th of July 2015, the remains were discovered and the investigation launched immediately. She was arrested after a social worker called the police after Tamara refused to let her inside Valentina's home. In the investigation, Danielle in the coffin was a CCTV footage catching her with a boiling pot of the decapitated head. Tamara eventually confessed and was sent to a psychiatric prison hospital. To this day, she refuses to unveil exactly how many victims she murdered throughout the years. Amima Ari Nelson Amima met William E. Nelson in 1991 while in a bar playing pool. William must have felt incredibly lucky because as a 56-year-old, 230-pound man, he caught the eye of Amima, who was an attractive 24-year-old former model and nanny. Despite the obvious differences, they hit it off almost immediately. Perhaps his abundance of money and a fancy car played a part. Within days, they decided to get married. Unfortunately, he did not know that his new bride had a long record of seducing older men, restraining them during sex, and eventually 
rob them. Three weeks after eloping, the bride and groom celebrated the Thanksgiving weekend in 1991 by having fun. William agreed to be shackled to the bed in hopes for sex, but instead, she introduced scissors and an iron instead. William was skinned, dissected, and ground up. Amima then packed up majority of the body parts in various bags and scattered them across the county. She returned home realizing that all that work made her hungry, so she deep-fried the leftover parts and consumed it. She eventually got caught because she called two of her ex-boyfriends asking for help, with one of them calling the police. Amima was charged with murder but claimed self-defense, but with a person who is not guilty joke around saying, and I quote, nothing tastes as good as the man I married. It's the sauce that does it. Stephen Sean Griffiths when Stephen was a child, his parents split up, but regardless of the troubles at home and the fact that his mother was an escort, his parents still made sure that he received top-level education. It was at that time, especially in school, where he was regarded as a loner and a bizarre person. What did he expect? He did carry a suitcase with a knife inside, telling people stories of skinning birds and doing things with animals after all. In 1987, when Stephen was 17 years old, he was sentenced to three years youth custody for attacking a supermarket manager, slashing his throat with a knife. While in custody, Stephen told his probation officers that he wanted to be a serial killer and that he planned to begin killing in his 30s. In 1991, his psychiatrist diagnosed him as someone who was a sadistic and schizoid psychopath. In the span of a year and a half, he killed sex workers Susan Rushworth first and Shelley Armitage almost a year later, even detailing the entire encounter on a mobile phone video. Less than a month later, Stephen met another escort named Suzanne Blamers. In a CCTV footage, it showed Stephen and Suzanne walking into his apartment and only a few minutes later, she frantically ran out with Stephen right behind her heels. He was able to knock her down and retrieve a crossbow in his apartment before firing it right into her head. This entire time, he knew that it was all caught on CCTV. Therefore, he lifted his crossbow in the air in a sort of celebratory posture, looked in the camera with a can of drink and saluted the camera as if it was a toast. During the investigation, it was revealed that he cooked and ate parts of his first two victims but decided to eat part of Suzanne raw. Stephen was convicted of three murders and was given a life sentence. Today, it is believed that he is responsible for an additional three unsolved cases. Haddon Clark from a very young age, Haddon was known for cross-dressing in private, continuing into adulthood. Since a young teen, Haddon had always been different from others and almost considered as an outsider. He had always had issues growing up. His peers found him to be unpredictable with frequent mood swings and chronic erratic behavior. He was eventually diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. One day, Laura Hoddling, a Harvard graduate, disappeared from her home in October of 1992. Haddon immediately became a suspect when the authorities found that he had a long history of mental issues and the frequent work he did gardening for the family. He was arrested a month later when authorities found his bloody fingerprint in one of the pillowcases belonging to her. While he was in custody for Laura's case, he soon became the prime suspect in the case of Michelle Dorr. In 1986, a six-year-old named Michelle Dorr suddenly disappeared from her front yard in a pink ruffled bathing suit heading towards a plastic pool. At that time, Haddon was just two doors down from Michelle's house, living in the basement of his brother's home. He later told an inmate, who he thought was Jesus, that he stabbed Michelle to death when he found her in his niece's bedroom. He threw her in a duffel bag, took her elsewhere where he ate parts of her. 
the inmate, took advantage of Haddon, believing he was the Messiah, that he convinced him to confess to the murder. First, the cops did not believe his claim until it directed them to the exact grave. The authorities were also able to collect DNA, and with the help of mitochondrial DNA testing, bloodstains from the floorboards of the home Haddon was staying in matched Michelle's. He also confessed to killing and eating other women and little girls. Haddon was sentenced to 30 years in prison for Laura, an additional 30 years for Michelle, and another 10 years for robbery. Hey everyone, thank you for watching. Please like, comment, and subscribe. And if you haven't already, please check out our Patreon page. The link is in the info box below.